Hello, and welcome to this edition of Read, Watch, Write, and Listen. Today, we have the narrated edition of the article The End of the End of the World, discussing Netflix's Ragnarok. This is Karen. Let's get started. We'll start off with some series stats. The title of the show is Ragnarok. It was created by Adam Price and stars David Staxton, Jonas Strand Gravely, Herman Tumerus, and Teresa Frostat Egespa. The original language of this show is Norwegian. It was released between January 2020 and August 2023. There are three seasons and a total of 18 episodes, and I rate the show a 3 out of 5. That's 4 out of 5 for season 1, 2 out of 5 for season 2, and 3 out of 5 for season 3. And now we'll get into the article proper. Imagine you're a screenwriter who has passing knowledge of Norse mythology, Marvel Comics, and the climate debate and you've been tasked with writing a Netflix series. Ragnarok is what you'd come up with. Set in modern Norway, Ragnarok tells the story of Magna Sire, a high school boy who moves with his mother and brother to the town of Edda, a fictional town mixing the real Norwegian town of Oda with the poetic Edda. Magna is large, awkward and dyslexic, but also kind and generous. He struggles to fit in with his new classmates until he meets Isolde, a budding climate activist. Isolde has a long-standing rivalry with the town's industrial owners, the Utol family. When the sires first arrive in town, Magna helps an old man whose mobility scooter gets stuck in the middle of the road. For his kindness, an elderly woman gifts Magna with the powers of Thor, the Norse god. Suddenly, he can run without tiring, throw tools hundreds of yards, and see without his glasses. Isolde dies suddenly in a gliding accident, returning from a hike that Magna abandoned halfway through. But her death isn't all it seems. As his powers continue to grow, Magna discovers that the Jutul family are really Jutna, Thor's ancient enemies. They are the last surviving beings from Ragnarok, which destroyed the gods thousands of years ago. In his grief and rage, Magna decides to use his new abilities to punish the Jutuls for Isolde's death. On the premise alone, I am 100% here for Ragnarok. Evil beings from ancient mythology are hiding in modern industry to wreak havoc on the planet, and a young man must come into his own power with the help of his friends to battle evil in the ultimate mythological showdown. I am on board, no doubts, here for it. Unfortunately, that's not what happened in Ragnarok. The show starts out strong, Magna learning to use his abilities is fun. There's a great mix of humor with heartfelt moments. 
Magna and his brother Lauritz recently lost their father, and their mother is struggling to keep the family together, both emotionally and financially. Lauritz is distant and much more popular than Magna. He quickly becomes close to the powerful Yutu family, who run the school as well as the local industries. The first season is like a mystery thriller. The audience knows that Vidar, patriarch and leader of the Utils, killed Isolde to prevent her revealing Util Industries leaking chemical storage. Throughout the season, we see Magna learning his powers, investigating Isolde's death, and accused of insanity, on top of the normal high school difficulties. There are hints of mythology with the Util's transformations, the Hellhound fight, and the finale between Magna and Vidar. Heck, Vidar named his Hellhound after Thrym, a lord of the Yutna who stole Thor's hammer. I left the first season so excited. Finally, a Norse mythology show not set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The show was funny, moving, intriguing. I couldn't wait for the second season. And then I watched the second season. This season is where they really dug into the Ragnarok mythology, to the show's detriment. Very quickly, Ragnarok adds new characters to the Pantheon. Lauritz was clearly going to be Loki, based on his intelligence and troublemaking in the first season. The second season reveals that he is Vidar's love child, making him half Jutten. As an aside, in the mythology, Loki is usually half-god and half-Jotun, and blood-brother to Odin. It's worth noting that Thor is also half-god and half-Jotun, but that confuses the easy good-versus-evil dynamic, so most adaptations ignore it. Also, Thor and Loki are only brothers in the Marvel Universe, not in the original myths. Next, we have Iman a transfer student who becomes the reincarnation of Freya. We'll get back to her later. Odin arises in the one-eyed old man from the first season named Wotan, which is already a Germanic name for Odin. <laughs> Finally, a local mechanic, Harry, or Hari, joins the team as Tyr, the god of war. Before we continue... Let's cover some mythology basics. Jormungand, also called the Midgard Serpent because it encircles Midgard, the home of humanity. In the Ragnarok mythos, Thor kills the serpent, but only survives to walk nine steps before Jormungand's poison kills him. Mjolnir, Thor's famous weapon, is feared by the enemies of the gods. It is so heavy, Thor must wear a special belt of strength and iron gloves to wield it. And Jarn Saxa, a Jotun, is Thor's mistress and mother of his son, Magni. I'd be happy with including all the characters in Season 2 if they didn't happen one right after the other, like ticking off a list. We got to spend a whole season with Magna trying to learn his powers and investigating the Utils. The second season has to jam in Freya, Odin, Tyr, Loki, Jormungant, Mjolnir, and Jarnsaxa, all within six episodes. 
We don't get to spend real time with anyone getting to know their abilities. Everyone after Magna just gets it instantly. No questions, no struggle, just born ready to fight evil. Mjolnir is forged by the gods instead of dwarfs, like in the mythology, uh, because we don't have time to introduce dwarfs. And Jormungand is a tapeworm. A tapeworm. A giant evil tapeworm. We'll get back to the tapeworm too. Let's get through season three first. Season three is where I really began to feel like the writers read a children's guide to Norse mythology and started scripting from there. Freya and Tyr leave Edda to use their vaguely defined powers for personal glory. Magna becomes addicted to Mjolnir, like it's controlling him. And at this point, characters mention the climate struggle in passing at most. The Yutus went from conflicted ancient evil grown complacent with modern living to just assholes who don't like humans but also don't want to be killed by Thor. One character, Gri, just dropped out of the show for no reason. I didn't mention her earlier because she's important to season one, but then drops out of the show for no reason. She was the reason for fights between Magna and Fior Jutl for two seasons, and she isn't even included in the final episode character retrospective. Anyways, enough about poor Gri. I liked season three better than season two, but not by much. They added two more gods, Baldur and Heimdall, because you literally can't have Ragnarok without Baldur's death and Heimdall's horn. At one point, they put Heimdall on watch and give him a plastic whistle. The watchman of the gods, keeper of the Gjallahorn, has a plastic coach's whistle. I love that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lauritz can't decide which family he wants to be with and feeds his giant tapeworm leftovers and hot dog buns. Magna goes through a high school midlife crisis and leaves his girlfriend for Saxe Jutl. The Jutls don't want to die, and neither does anyone else. They spend most of the season going back and forth between fighting and hiding. After some soul-searching, Magna decides to fight the Jutnar, quote, as it is written, which ends up meaning in an empty warehouse with clubs, chains, a spear, and a lump of metal that we're calling Mjolnir. Then they decide not to fight after all because, like, people could get hurt, man. Finally, the series ends with Magna rereading his old Young Thor comics and hallucinating the events of Ragnarok during his graduation ceremony, in what I imagined was a metaphor for the characters relinquishing their godly powers. Except later, they show Magna looking around the town, and the Util's house changes from an intimidating castle to a normal, if large, house. And we hear a callback line to Magna's psychiatric medication prescription from the first season. So... the whole show was a schizophrenic hallucination? The imaginings of a lonely teenager? I have no idea what to make of this ending. 
I believe Ragnarok could have been great. Keep the cast, keep the writers and directors, and keep the technical crew members. Just make the show more like a modern adaptation of the most popular myths. Heck, make the show a loose adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. That book has all the best myths told in a modern style. The part where I make suggestions to professional screenwriters. Let's acknowledge, writing is hard. Writing one show over the course of three years is hard. Updating the nightmare logic that is the Norse mythology is hard. Anyway, here's how I would have done it. Keep Magna's introduction and characterization, but make him a redhead. Thor was known for having red hair because he was a god of the common man, and for some reason having red hair was associated with the lower classes. Most adaptations skip this feature, and I think it'd please the nitpickers and nerds, like me. If you'd like more information about ancient Norse society and religion, I recommend the works of Jackson Crawford, which I've linked in my Quick Hits articles. In the show, keep the parts where Magna is learning to use his powers and investigating the utils. Keep all of season one. In season two, introduce Loki Lauritz and add the stories of the Treasures of the Gods and the Master Builder from Neil Gaiman's version, where Thor gets his hammer and Loki gives birth to Odin's eight-legged horse, Sleipnir. And make Sleipnir a joke. Maybe, in a scheme gone wrong, Lauritz ends up with an eight-wheeled scooter that he gives to Wotan. Meanwhile, have the Utils causing trouble, ingratiating Lauritz, and trying to discredit Magna. Also, in Season 2, introduce Odin, Balder, Freya, and Heimdall, and replace Jormungandr with the wolf Fenrir. Maybe I'm the weird one, but I'd rather watch Lauritz try and hide a huge dog than cuddle a fucking tapeworm. Also, include Tyr, since he's supposed to lose his hand to Fenrir. I want to say, having Jormungandr be a tapeworm isn't inherently bad. The word Jormungandr literally means something like huge, elongated being. I just find the worm and the way they have Lauritz birth it really gross. Also, Loki is known for birthing a horse. It's one of his most recognizable stories. I assume they were trying to make it realistic, since they weren't going to have Lauritz transform into a mare and give literal birth. But Ragnarok is a fantasy show? If the new Mjolnir can magically return to Magna's hand, then we can play around a bit more with Lauritz. In Season 3, lean into the end of the world. Make the town nasty from the Util's factories. Maybe burn some houses. Ragnarok ends in a fiery destruction, after all. I liked the twist in the show where Loki Lauritz and Baldur Jens were in love. It's a nice subversion of the betrayal story. Lean into that as the way to prevent the end of the world. Loki was going to fulfill his role, but his love for Baldur prevents the initiation of Ragnarok. 
Also, you could include the myth where Mjolnir is stolen and have Magna and Lauritz dress as women to enter Jutelheim and recover it. This story is called Freya's Unusual Wedding in Gaiman's version. Also, Jutelheim is literally home of the Jutels. That's seriously how the entire town refers to the Jutel family home. My apartment is now Karenheim, and no one can tell me otherwise. At the end, the Utils accept that they cannot rule the world because the gods have united in friendship. Besides, the Utils just want to have normal lives at this point anyway. During the seasons, continue to sprinkle in moments of normality for them. Vidar likes trashy TV... Ran enjoys teaching, and the kids just want to do their own things. The part where it's okay for the gods to have human personalities. The most interesting part of Norse mythology is that the gods are not infallible. In fact, they can all be pretty stupid, even the wise Odin. It would have been hilarious for the show to include the sillier aspects of Norse stories. When Thor travels, his chariot is pulled by goats, and Freya's by cats. Thor was even called Lord of the Goats. Wouldn't it be great if local goats kept escaping farms to be near Magna Thor, and if a horde of cats followed Eman Freya through town? Then there's Loki, the cleverest idiot, or the stupidest genius. In one story, he must make a Jutin laugh as recompense after the gods killed her father. To fulfill his task, Loki ties one end of a rope to a goat's beard, and the other end to his genitals. Then they have a tug-of-war until the rope snaps and the Jutin laughs at Loki's pained yelping. I wouldn't want the show to be nothing but ball hits, but I wish they included more of the humorous stories instead of just a lazy overview of Ragnarok. Let's talk about Freya. Ragnarok really wants her to be Aphrodite, and she isn't. Freya is a confusing character. She is considered a goddess of love, beauty, fertility, sex, war, gold, and say their magic, which is similar to fortune-telling. From the stories I've read, she's mostly associated with beauty, the golden necklace Brisingamen, and her falcon feather cloak. Freya may also be the leader of the Valkyries, warrior women who choose dead men for Odin's army, and she may get half of their choices for her own army. She is a powerful goddess that Ragnarok reduces to a social media influencer. Ragnarok had all the pieces to be a modern coming-of-age version of the Ragnarok myth. In fact, Gaiman's version of Ragnarok ends by giving a new generation of gods the opportunity to try again and avoid their fates. From all these bits and pieces, I can imagine the good show Ragnarok could have been. Let me briefly say this is not meant to take down the show's creative teams. The show is well-made, the actors are convincing, and the dialogue is good. Something was missing from Ragnarok's bones. Like Thor's goats carrying him from Asgard to Jotunheim, 
they needed a core theme and tone to carry them from episode one to the finale. And that wraps up this narrated version of The End of the End of the World. Thank you for subscribing, and I look forward to next time. As they say in Norway, Hade. What if I made that the intro song? <laughs>